and welcome to this Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Wednesday, the 2nd of March, 2022. It's sunny out, 60 degrees. We had to pull uh, Kyle out of the parking lot here. He was uh, beating the ball against the wall. He still thinks he's fast, That well, and that it would be Kyle Robertson, the striker. We have also The Shield with us today, the, our fine crew beat writer, Jacob Myers. And The Shield will make his bold prediction today. Um, Kyle has decided to press him on it. Of course, he's famous for predicting that the crew will win the Supporters Shield every year, and, and we'll see what he has to say this year. He's kind of like Punxsutawney Phil, you know, uh, <laughs> w- when he should be uh, predicting six more weeks of winter, he sees sunshine and light. But that's why we love him. He's young, and uh, actually, he's jaded at this point. I know, I'm just joking <laughs> around. And of course, speaking of jaded, our producer, the pod father, Patrick Flaherty at the controls per usual. I'm Mike A-Race. Thanks for joining us. We had a windy speakeasy last week. Not as much to talk about this week, but still uh, some stuff to sink your teeth into. Beginning with Jacob, the game one, a resounding four to nothing victory in the lower dot com field, otherwise known as more properly New Crew Stadium. Yeah, other than maybe wanting some uh, temperatures above freezing, really couldn't have been a, a better opening day for the crew. Get a goal in the first 10 minutes, had several shots on goal in the first half, which is something that was a rarity at times last year. You know, they go up 2-0 before the half and get the red card to go up a man and score two more at the end of the game. So, you know, very resounding and and rather efficient, I'd say, offensive performance that honestly probably could have been even more with a few of the chances they had. Oh, they could have had three or four, Kyle, before the uh, before the red card. So I was impressed, for one. What was different? I'll ask you first, Kyle. And well, I know you're going to focus no, up front. No, no, I'm actually you, not. You, you are... Uh, we talked about this before. You got here. You're Phil Kessel. I, you have no defense. <laughs> no, I thought what I was most impressed with is, you know, when, when our tour got hurt last year, I think we all kind of felt that we... Or that, that they would have a replacement and it wouldn't they wouldn't miss that much of a beat. But just to see him do what he does, you know, it was everything just is better. You know, the distribution out to the wings and I mean the I mean, I think they're gonna live and die by the wings, but I think what impressed me was just to see him play the way that he played and that the quality that they missed the last half or the three fourths of the season that he missed last year and how much better that makes him. And I didn't think it was that like I didn't think before the injury he was he made the, the crew that much better, but then seeing him basically be gone for that time and then seeing him again on opening day, just how much that he means to the team and how much that he does. So I, I asked you about the strikers, I, and there was a change there, I, and I, you I, talked about the midfield. I did. I'm going to come back to Jacob with Artur because I think— You asked yeah. you asked Kyle what he thought yeah. you thought was the biggest yeah, change or the thing that impressed the most, and he said right. Artur. Yeah. You expected him to go up front to the well, strikers. Well, we'll have Patrick edit that to make <laughs> me right. Um, but now I want to stay on, on our, yeah. Artur, regardless of what I said to Kyle. That is a, a great point. That was one of those things that uh, I think he's absolutely right. Yeah. If you recall, Nagby was out for the championship game and, and they kind of they put uh, Aiden Morris in to, to play in the middle with Artur and it worked famously. Mm-hmm. And this is not to say that uh, Artur is more important than Nagby, but those two, Jacob, in combination are an engine mm-hmm. for this team. Those two, along with Lucas at times that year, were one of the best midfields in MLS. I mean, they were really, really solid. And to the point about Aiden Morris coming in there, Artur, I'm going to kind of be on pins and needles all year just to see, you know, because we didn't expect him to be out all of last year. It just kind of popped up that 
he had this hip issue at the beginning of the year that the crew was resting him to see if it was dying down just about every availability afterward we would ask Caleb Porter about it and he said no it's it's not the treatment isn't really doing anything then he has a season ending injury he seems good now and he said physically he's fine it's just about getting fit now he doesn't really have pain which is great I'm just going to be always watching that but to that point now they have Aiden Morris healthy too so it's natural kind of number eight to step in there if he's out who can help out this midfield and although Marlon Marlon Harrison was good and did well in, in that spot role Having Aiden healthy is a big part, but I think you see Artur, the way he, you know, just stops counterattacks or or cycles the ball, gets into the box. It makes a heck of a lot of difference right. at a lot of different phases of the game. Yeah, Aiden Morris in 2020, December 6th, I believe it was, the youngest player to start an MLS game at that time. He was uh, just uh, just 18 years old. A uh, little older than yeah. 19. I think he just had his 19th. Yeah, there, there you go. Uh, and he was extraordinary in that game. You know, he was it's like all over the place. Jacob, what was, just just for the sake of the housework here, the, the starting 11 on Saturday? Yeah, you had Miguel Berry up top. They went with the 4-2-3-1, kind of, you know, putting out any talks at the beginning of the year of them doing different formations. You're still going to see that, I think, maybe more so on the road, like yep. we talked about last podcast. But Miguel Berry up top, left to right, you had Derek Etienne, Lucas Celereon, and then Yaya Boa. And in the midfield, Artur Nagby. And left to right, you had Pedro Santos making his start at left back. And then it was Milos yep. on the left, right? Yep. Yep. And then Jonathan Mensah okay. is the right center back. And then Steven Marrera, right back, Aloy Ruminette. I thought Marrera too. This is another thing with our tour and just in general thinking to like 2019 and last year when the offense was really lacking at times. And and as you pointed out in your column, Mike, over the weekend is at times in 2020, they weren't creating chances either for stretches, but when they, when they were, it's they've had attack from the flanks and in 2020 was Harrison awful was playing pretty well. Milton Valenzuela was healthy. Unlike 2019 this year with Pedro Santos, who I thought played pretty well yep. there. Steven okay. Marrera, who made like a 60 yard run in the midfield at one point, uh, he was up and down combining with Yaya Boa a lot. I thought he looked pretty good. And then you have our tour joining again. You just had a lot of players in and around the penalty area that I think at times when this offense has gone stagnant and we saw last year, they kind of got bottled up outside of the box in the middle of the field. They just generally were a lot better and had people in positions to score because they got kind of that verticality from the flanks. And up front, Kyle, they did start Miguel Berry. What did you think of that? I mean, he was a guy with eight goals last year. He was very effective down the stretch for them as uh, Zardes was either nicked up or had international duty, et cetera. And this was a guy everyone wanted to see more of this year, and he gets the start. First, yeah. Jacob, what was the thinking on that? Yeah, Caleb Porter was asked about this after the game, and he essentially said, based on the way the team was playing at the end of last year, he wanted to keep that personnel about the same. He said, I felt like I owed him the start because of the end of last year. I'd be silly not to play this kid, Miguel Berry, a lot of minutes this year. And Kyle, uh, you were, <laughs> Kyle was yeah. on the Miguel Berry bandwagon yeah. early. I think it's a good problem to have. I mean, I 
we're not at train or we're not at train all the time. So maybe Zardes couldn't go. Well, even when day. we're there, right. let's be specific. <laughs> yeah. We watch 15 minutes of stretching per the league rules and then have to head back inside. Oh, you watch them stretch. Yeah. It's better than Ohio state. You take a head count and then you go back in. That's <laughs> yeah. a little behind the scenes of, of what you do at training. No, I, I think that's going to be one of the interesting stories as the season goes on, because if you, I think two strikers are always better than, than one. And uh, I, I think that, that's the striker talking there, yeah. <laughs> but but the, I think there could be an interesting situation because you're paying Zardes DP money, right? And I mean, I guess they could buy him down, correct? Or yeah, or they, it, they or could still buy him down, yes. But he but, is a DP. Yeah, but you're still paying him money. making over a million yeah, dollars, and I don't think you want to always bring him off the bench. But I think it's a good situation to have because I do think, like you said earlier on, I think they're going to have to play games, or you're going to we're going to have them both out there. Well, whenever Miguel Berry's contract is up, which he had his option picked up this past year, I'm not sure when that is. Only recently, the league has been trying to get teams to be more transparent with how long they have kids signed. He's going to have a significant pay raise if he keeps playing the way he has. That's a pretty good opponent they played, too. I don't know about that. Well, they made the playoffs last year. they, They closed well last year. You know, they had some good streaks going you know i'm i'm going against my own tenets here because i don't believe in uh but they they closed to make the playoffs that meant something they've done well under this coach you know they were probably cold <laughs> you know there's that from vancouver uh, and yeah. the, the red card the red card yeah. obviously didn't help them but they they had a foot on their neck by that point anyway Another of the themes Jacob heading into this game was um, when they opened the new stadium on July 3rd of 2021, um, you know, they expected that it would be a, a fortress of sorts. And it wasn't quite. I think they lost four games within the friendly confines last year and let some points slip away in, in some other games. And, and was that something discussed heading into this game and, and what was talked about coming out of it, Jacob, as far as making the new crew stadium the scariest place to play in the yeah, I think largely in the world, in the entire world. Yeah, I think largely you just could see that from the start of the the game. I mean, just the kind of aggressiveness and I guess kind of, I don't know, killer instinct that they kind of had from the very beginning uh, was a clear contrast from much of last season. That what That's what kind of stuck out to me most is just how forward they were and and kind of intentional about what they were doing offensively, which to go back to the attack, I'm still going to hold out for just my true feelings on where this attack is until I see them go go up against a five back line. This was a three back line for Vancouver. Now the crew exposed them for sure, which they should do, but they struggled a lot last year against teams that played with a five back. Anyway, there there was a lot of talk last year. They were more physical too. Right. Absolutely. There was a lot of talk last year, mostly from Caleb Porter about how it was a new building. They didn't have an identity yet and therefore it was tough to get results. Yeah, I felt really bad for him. Yeah. (laughs) And now this year they're hoping to win every game. Well, Uh, and just circling back to, um, you know, the midfield intact now, or at least as as they envisioned it last year, that does something to Zella Ryan, does it not? It he doesn't have to play hero ball like no. he, he really tried to do yep. on any number of occasions heading down the stretch last year because there was nothing else going. Yep. And now we see him pop up. Wow, yep. look at that tiptoeing around the box. And, oh, there he is. You know, Kyle, fair fair to say. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that's the problem is like what we saw late last year. I think was it the Chicago game where he tried to do way too much last year where he was trying to make – 
trying to go through everyone. I know everyone. the specific and, play and, you're and, trying yeah, to think of. Yeah, Santa, or Santos was wide open, I think, on the left side, and he wanted the ball, and he tried to spin around. And I think this team's going to be dependent upon the wings. If the wings produce and get quality chances into Barry and Zardes, I think this team can do very, very well. When the wings are going to struggle not get into, and, and even Santos and, and even the backs, even if they get up, and, and get those balls in. I think they're really going to struggle. And I think you saw last year games where the wings, the winners were great. And then there was a drop off. But and then to, to even have Diaz score early on in the season, I think what do you have one goal last year? Yeah, right. It, it, Same so, with that team. Yeah. So I mean, you get those guys going, you get the confidence, and you have Yah and Diaz come in on the right side. I mean, that's like track speed replaced by super track speed. I mean, it's just there's going to be a problem. But they still have to get those quality balls in. And then take the chances when they have, and hopefully Diaz doesn't always crush the ball, and and hopefully some of those ones go in. <laughs> Yao Yuboa, a, a, an offseason signing, makes his debut. Derek Atn's yep. on the on the other side. Atn was terrific in my view, and uh, they're both inverted yeah. too, which is an yeah. interesting so dynamic. It, it, speak about the wings, as Kyle just attempted to do. Jacob, uh, I thought Atn was terrific, and Yuboa. There were some. There was a couple moments I was like, yeah, but. There is quality there. The cross uh, on the first well. goal was unbelievable. Oh, no, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. Don't get Okay. <laughs> Forget what I said. No, but I, <laughs> Jacob, no, I think you're Jacob, right. Jacob, yeah. the wings. Starting with Derek, toward the end of last year, I really, really liked his game. I, I feel like out of all the wings, you consistently knew what you're getting out of Derek Etienne. He was, He's a very hard yeah. worker. He's fairly technical with the ball. He's always in and around. Something he talked with us about in the preseason was almost being a little more selfish to help the people around him. And I think you saw that on the first goal and and some other, I think he took a few shots where he, you know, maybe could have passed it off. Then there was another where he could have taken a shot and he passed it off when the crew were already up 2-0. But in general, he was very dangerous. He was the man of the match in my eye. He was, there were a lot of, I think, men of the match contenders from, from Lucas to our tour. But to speak about the wings, like Etienne was excellent. The, the cross from Yaboa, the excellent touch from Etienne, and, and then just a simple finish um, off the outside of his foot. I really think he's going to add a lot this season to the crew. He, I mean, he's just, I think, a solid player. I think a little underrated. A guy who was basically cut by two teams, New York Red Bulls and FC Cincinnati, and the crew picked him up. And, you know, he was very good in MLS Cup a couple yep. of years ago. They just need to find it's that a, consistency. A, yeah. and, and Yaya Boa, he, excellent cross. You see the quality. Porter said after the game that he needs to get a little fit because he's only trained two or three weeks with the team. And I think you saw that when he got pulled behind by the defender when he was trying to pull away. But the touches around the box could also be better as well. So I will watch that as Mike's uh, pointing to me here as as if I'm proving his point. <laughs> Yaya Bo was good. I think you yeah. see the quality there. A few areas where he can improve and maybe if he gets more fit, that, that'll happen. Uh, but to speak a little bit on, on Lucas, when you have the wingers playing like this, yeah. Lucas is... How enough- often did we talk about this last year? And, and probably every <laughs> oh, yeah. freaking Naked, week. naked and on an island yeah. without oh my the wings, gosh. right? And I, I think you could pick out exactly why that's important this past week because Lucas is a number 10 who he can do the final ball, but he's more of a goal scorer than the guy who's going to be the final pass assist guy like Federico Higuain was probably very close to just being very good at both. But if Lucas can be that guy that makes the pass out to the wing and then gets into the box, that allows like Artur or Nagby to come into the play and Lucas can 
you know, make a play around the box like he did on that goal, going past two or three defenders to score on his own. So that's why I think the wings and the outside backs are so important. Lucas can funnel the ball out to them and then get in the box and try to make a play. Well, that or you have Miguel or Zarda as, as your first option, and then he could be the second you know, option. So you, so the winger has the the choice to, to either do a quick ball across into space where Zarda scores a lot of his goals, or you wait and find Lucas where he's creating the space, you know, on the backside or even in the top of the box. Yeah, like he did on the yeah. pass to Miguel Berry, perfectly right. weighted at the top of the box after he got back from the wings, yeah. But you don't have that when he's taking the ball all the way up and trying to go through everyone and then trying to get a shot off. True, yeah. He did a good job yeah. of getting it at his feet and just getting it out and play on. Uh, Milton Valenzuela, for, for good or ill, is, is gone he came on uh, last year as he as he emerged from from injuries, and now this year with him out of the picture, we have a new look with the fullbacks. And they, a la the wings, they were an eye opening pair as well. The, the starters, and you know, I always kind of scratched my head. I, I always wondered how. I know Santos played yep. fullback last year, but I always wondered how. Okay, he here he is. He's a full season. He's right. starting at fullback, and and that's where his minutes are going to come from. I always wondered about that, and I thought Steve Marrero, who got a few games under his belt last year, when you know they were fairly meaningless games, but a late season signing, and and he he's come in, and I thought those two in tandem were were terrific. I thought I thought they were both terrific. Santos opened my eyes. I noticed him uh, a lot, and and what he was trying to work. I, I thought. I was like, wow, he's way better there than I ever than I remember or figured he would be. I think something that works really well with him is he's always willing to take risk for mm-hmm. for good or for ill. But at the left back spot, say he, you know, puts a ball down the line to get the winger to run onto in the crew's crew lose possession. That's a good spot to press. They get the ball back high and they have players to kind of do that now. So if, if Santos, you know, turns the ball over from from something like that, trying to do a risk, the crew are still in an OK spot. And I thought he recovered really well defensively. Yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll always work hard. And then Steve Marrera on the other side. I mean, just how big of a, I guess, difference is that from Harrison Awful, just from the physical advantage and albeit he's got, you know, eight years younger, but that dude is fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just well, plays was really fast. well he, with Yagabella. He was always fast. True. Yeah. I, I'm saying in yeah. his later years, in this past year, it, it's just a big upgrade. I, I agree. I think both of them did well and, and played pretty well defending. Kyle's sensitive to that because he wants to still be considered fleet, you know? You're a poacher now, Kyle. No. <laughs> well, you, you know, the other thing, Kyle, about Santos is you can see what what a, what another layer of playmaking can mean to this team, you know, from from a back line too. Yeah, yeah, from the back line, the plays that he was making in the middle third and even the final third, that's what opened my eyes. Like, wow, that's nothing like another well, guy. A really good crosser of the ball well, too, which I think is an yeah. improvement over Valenzuela. And if you Where, want, if you wanted a go to a three back too you can push them up either in the middle or even out to the out in the way left. yeah the way they do they pretty much do right. with either Artur and Agby right. drop dropping back there but yeah overall I, I like the move I'm, I'll be watching it as it goes on okay what's up next Jacob for these and we have to mention that uh with great fanfare they played in banana banana yellow uniforms mm-hmm. or do I have to say kits no you can say uniforms jerseys well, they were all sure. gold sweaters. They were all gold, which is nice. You know, they tr- uh, it was part of the legacy, such as it was of the rebranding. That it, uh, it they- honestly just looked right. Like 
yeah. aesthetically. <laughs> and that's not a not, I'm not like knocking anything. Else. It just looked right. You well, can knock if you want, Mike. Better, better late than never, you know, uh, that's the thing. And, and, uh, you know, see, even my wife was asking me, it was like, what's the big deal about, about the yellow uniforms? And, uh, I said, honey, it's kits. No, <laughs> but I was like, the world, especially after Save the Crew, when they think of MLS, they don't think of Nashville in yellow or, you know, when they started handing them. They tried to move the team and give the colors to L.A. or in Nashville. And Is that a real thing? Oh, that- oh you think, come on, it's Don Carver. He's, he's like, they're like, we want yellow. Okay, or take <laughs> it. You know, no one else has it. But wait a minute. You know, uh, I've seen it in other sports, too. Uh, for instance, when um, Carolina Hurricanes still yeah, use yeah. Hartford Whalers. Well, that, that, that's disgusting. But I remember when they're ten when minutes they're, on that mic. Go. I was no, I was covering the Whalers <laughs> when um, when the moving thing was come up, and it wasn't official yet that they were going to move. And this would have been in like uh, early 1997, I think. And the Vancouver Canucks. Um, oh yeah. Oh, they yeah. they uh, they rebranded and and they had a they had a whale on their sea all of a sudden on the, in the front of their uniform. And eventually they went to, to uh, uh, a blue and green right. pattern. But what was it before? It was some ungodly mix of like yellow and. Well, yeah. actually like, some people like the I'm old V, like the old V <laughs> uniforms with the orange and the brown and the yellow, you know, but we're off on a tangent here. Where was I going with this? The New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. It was Can't. just so, and what I said to her was that that's how the world knows MLS and MLS, the yellow team is is the crew, and so it, it was good to see that rectified uh, on what was a a sunny day in, in Columbus on an <laughs> opening day of the, of the 2022 season. I just wanted to put that in. The world seemed right again. You know, it was like taking off your mask for legitimate reasons. You know, it was so up next, Jacob. Up next, there it's rivalry week, Mike. They're at San Jose. Oh, it's rivalry <laughs> week. <Is it>? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is that, I don't know. Let's try to figure out how that's a rivalry. The Quakes were going to move at one yeah. point, uh, and they were they were they were kind of saved. So there you go. What didn't that predate? Uh, well, they they did move, but they kept yeah. their fran- they kept the franchise or something. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's it. So they they made that rivalry <laughs> predating the announcement that Precourt was going to move the uh, team. I don't yeah. don't don't say that name. You know. What, we two, had a, two Oak Ventures. We had a, we had such a good podcast going. Cincinnati doesn't like Austin. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so you, well, you teased the shield thing. So we we had oh, said yeah. this before. So I'll, I'll put it out yeah. there. What? Well, two questions because you had said the first, and I said the second before we recorded. When it comes to the shield, are you taking the crew or the field? But the wooden spoon, are you taking Cincy or the field? Well, aren't they back to back wooden spoon champions? Yeah. They're going for the three-peat. Well, I mean, the wooden spoon, that's the crew Cincinnati thing. I don't, I don't know. Is that wooden what spoon no, yeah. is given to, it's, I don't know where it originated, oh. but it's this kind of, I don't even know. It, if I, it was a, award. Tr- right, a made-up award for the team with the worst record in the league. Oh, okay. See, I wasn't aware of that. When you say wooden spoon, I think when I got oh, into boy. bad trouble when I was a kid, I, I had to pick between the wooden spoon and the belt. And you, you always took the wooden spoon. That, that was a no-brainer. So, I don't know. The wooden spoon for the worst team in the league. Can Cincinnati be the worst team in the league? I don't think so because Charlotte exists. Yeah. That's my answer. That, that's yeah. that's a good point. But they the, do. The Charlotte coach literally they, said they we're go, screwed. They, yeah. they do go head-to-head. Yeah, twice, right? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The same conference. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on that one, huh? 
rivalry. Okay. Battle of the Wooden and Spoons. So now, now the pertinent <laughs> question, uh, as as we mentioned earlier in the program, uh, Jacob makes a practice of picking the crew to, to win the Supporter Shield every year. Um, <laughs> I think it's usually around like week five, though. It was the yeah. one year. Yeah, so what, it was the five one. Year. This is my fourth year on the beat, people. Yeah. So you start off after four right? years, you should know everything, yeah. Jacob. Well, I guess I'll, I'll make fun yeah. of myself. Last year, I said LAFC and the crew would be an MLS yeah. Cup and neither make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a wild, wild world out there. And so will the crew win the Supporter Shield? I'll take the field on that one. So will I. So will I. Okay. All right. So no Shield predictions this year other than pick from one of the other teams. Maybe they'll win it. Watch yeah. them win it. That'd be funny. <laughs> we'll, and we'll, we'll, well, you know what? We'll do something stupid if they do win the Supporter Shield. I'll, I'll leave you. Are we in the prediction business? Because I'll give you another question. Well, or podcast. Just, you can predict yeah. anything you want. So I kind of briefly mentioned this in my story about Zardes, Miguel Berry, the starting striker. You can read that on Dispatch.com. But Please go there. There's a lot of great stuff there. And I had mentioned, you know, it seems like Barry. Zardes hasn't lost this job for anything he has has done, hasn't done. Barry is just like not losing it since he took it over. So at what point since Zardes just started for the national team a month ago, does Barry possibly get a look for the national team? I think as this goes on, it's certainly not out of the question. Kyle? I think he has a ways to go. I think he'll get a look after the World Cup whenever they do their next Yeah, the uh, cycle winner. makes yeah. it tricky. But I think... Yeah, I, I think, think Greg's already got his, he's, he's his defined floor a, a, of like 40 people or whatever. He's turned yeah. turned the, the roster over and he has a big pool that, that uh, he's brought together over the years. But I mean, if he I mean, catches fire, I don't know. What do you do? I maybe, guess. Maybe a camp of guys just to yeah. get a look after World Cup. I mean, I don't know what the roster situation is going to be with, with, with COVID. We're, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the, the the last window of qualifying yeah. um, in, a, in, a, in probably the next program uh, coming up at the end of the month uh, is is the last window of World Cup qualifying. You got your HBO Max subscription? Oh, yeah. Did you see that eight-year, a reported yeah. eight-year deal, 20-some, 20 to, 25 to 30 million dollars? Yeah, 27.5, I think. For the rights to U.S. Yeah. men's and women's? Yeah. English broadcast right national team games. I'll just call my lawyer and get his password. You know, you got to share. You don't share. I don't, don't want to know. admit anything in, on the podcast here, Kyle. I'm a, I'm an upstanding citizen. Oh, sorry, you got you know? Rand- one of your Randy's not here. Yeah. The no, we'll we'll have you know, you right we'll now. have Randy on and we can talk about uh, sharing passwords. I, I bet you he has like I a VPN, so. and he's like all over. He has every his house is probably set up. Well, this his programming, <laughs> this program's uh, is going downhill quickly, and so I'm going to jump off before we crash here. Uh, for Kyle Robertson, Ohio's finest photographer, and Jacob Myers, our, our excellent crew beat writer, and Patrick Flaherty, who's eating a donut and drinking coffee and may or may not be awake at the same time. I'm Mike A. Race. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Patrick, kick us out of here.